What's up, people? It's Doc Smith here with my boy Ball and McGuire. We are back. It has been a minute since uh, September 22nd, I believe, was our last show of our first season when we had the next generation of black male educators on. Um, and then we kind of went on a little hiatus, you know, uh, you know, post-COVID came around and we had to really run a school with a whole bunch of kids inside it and not virtual. Uh, so we've been kind of doing that. We're going to kind of get into kind of where we've been at uh, as we go throughout the show. Um, so I'm going to let David, you know, kind of talk a little bit about what you've been up to, you know, since September, so pretty much the whole school year. Then we'll get ball and I'll kind of circle it back out. But we 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 happy to be back in the lab for show for show. So DMG, what you got, baby? Ah uh, man, what's up, fellas? What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Excited to be here. It's you know, it's been it's been a good year. This has been the first year without any interruptions for us. We got two days left, so I don't want to jinx us. But uh, first year without interruptions. Um, got back to teaching and learning, so not really worried about masks too much. Not too much worried about barriers. Social distancing kind of went away. Obviously, we were still monitoring. And we really got down to teaching and learning. So that was really good. I, truthfully, man, we saw a lot of gaps. A lot of gaps with kids. A lot of gaps with teachers, right? People talk about how kids have been out of school, man. Teachers ain't taught either in a couple years. And so we had to also get, get teachers stamina back up and things like that. But, you know, it's been good. We've been celebrating the past two weeks. Uh, we get out of school Friday. So our kindergarten and first graders went to the zoo. We took our sixth graders, went to Kings Island, which is the theme park in Mason, Ohio. Anybody Midwestern people know about that. Uh, we had field day indoors, but that was great. Uh, we just had our sixth grade promotion ceremony tonight, had our kindergarten promotion ceremony last night. So it's been about celebration. My kids, they got to wear their uniforms for the rest of the week. So they've been excited about that. And uh, summer school starts Monday, June 6th. So the grind doesn't stop until July 8th. Man. So it's good to be back. Awesome. That's a great update, Dave. Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, a lot of the same things. It's been a very uh, interesting uh, school year for us. I mean, opening up on August 10th, uh, we were back on campus for the first time uh, with all of our students. Um, you know, masking was a requirement and uh, our, our school is like in the center of the district. We got a, a nice little spot here. And uh, the couple of days before, our, our district communications team was like, hey, uh, we need a volunteer to uh, have a place for the media to come. So I was like, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. So we, we had the media come in. And, um, you know, one of those first questions that they asked was, what are you going to do if the kid's not wearing their mask? And I said, it's going to be a conversation to make sure they're right. Uh, you know, I, I know they wanted something controversial, but I wasn't going there. Uh, but, you know, it's it's been a, a very interesting with the, the ups and downs of COVID. Uh, it is still out here. Um, you know, we, we started off with masking uh, all the way up until March. March, we, it, it didn't become optional until then. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of COVID. Um, you know, I, I went through it myself back in September, um, you know, made it through my whole family. Uh, but we're all we're all good. But, uh, you know, I, I would say that, uh, you know, just all the different challenges of being back on campus, um, kids getting to to know what it's to be like back on school. I mean, our sixth graders, because I'm at a sixth through eight school and our sixth graders, uh, you know, they hadn't been in school since fourth grade. And so uh, adjusting to those types of things. And Dave, you hit it, you know, uh, teachers adjusting to those things. I think, um, you know, we weren't 
you know, super hard on the whole discipline thing. We we're just trying to get everybody back on campus. But uh, back in February, it just came to a head and we, we had to make some decisions about what we we're going to focus on. And then um, the teachers, they were in a space and we had to address that. And once we addressed it as an admin team and as a site team, uh, everything uh, went, went smoothly when it comes to behavior. Uh, we're we're in our last couple of days right now, our eighth graders just came back from their uh, trip to um, Six Flags uh, up in Vallejo, about an hour away from us. And uh, tomorrow we've got their promotion. So it's exciting uh, conclusion to the end of the school year. Um, you know, I've also um, had the opportunity to participate in, a, in the AASA uh, equity cohort. So it's uh, basically it's, it's superintendents focused, but um, we had I think we had about seven or eight uh, staff members, district level and school principals uh, from my district. And we're just, you know, learning about equity and what folks are doing uh, across the country, um, led by uh, Dr. Lavelle Brown, who's a superintendent uh, in uh, Ithaca Public Schools. Uh, Tracy Davis is the lead soup in um uh, Starbase Henderson in Nevada, Nevada, excuse me, and then uh, Moore Anderson, who's the uh, associate executive director of AASA, and they've been doing a great job. We've been hearing about you know um, policies and how you lead a school district in the in the with an equity mindset, uh, cultural responsive practices, and just learning all the different things that folks all across the country are doing uh, to to provide an equitable space in their districts. So I've learned a lot about that uh, with that. And uh, this this uh, Saturday, June 4th, we have we are able to do our Ignite session so we get to share what we've been implementing as a district as far as equity goes. Um, but, fellas, it's good to it's, it's good to be here. Uh, I know we're going to talk some celebrations uh, once we get to Doc Smith a little bit. But, um, you know, we, we've, we've got some celebrating to do with our teachers as well. So uh, appreciate being back and uh, being back in the saddle, riding with y'all. Uh, so, man, this, this year has been a wild ride, you know, at the happiest place on earth. Most people think it's Disney World, but it's really Grandview Middle School. Uh, so kind of going back, uh, I'm just going to hit some highlights. Before I get to what happened at GML, I just want to talk per personally and professionally. We had a chance, uh, me, you know, the super producer, Unc, and Doc Locks had a chance to do some work with David School this year. Shout out to David for kind of uh, giving us that opportunity. So I got a chance to go to Indianapolis, Indiana, um, visit David School. Um, it was an amazing trip. Got to be a part of the morning meeting. Uh, one Friday as well, they were, you know, uh, had a whole six four Chevy Impala rolling through the gym. Uh, so uh, went, I don't know the name of the restaurant, but we went and got some bomb pork chops and Kool-Aid. Uh, I know that while we was down there. Um, got a parting gift, though, because I came home and had COVID after I left Indianapolis. <laughs> so uh, but that was, that was an amazing time. I got to work with some phenomenal people at his building. Um, one of them, we'll get into our celebrations later, talk about, you know, her accolades that she got, um, probably not because of me, but I'm going to own a little bit of that. Uh, so, uh, but the, as far as my school goes, uh, you know, everything I went through with my assistant principals last year, we talked about it. It's been well, well, well documented. Um, so I had a chance to really go out and recruit and kind of bring together my own team. Um, so I had my assistant principal from my first year, uh, my instructional coach from last year, who is now my other assistant principal. And then I had a chance to bring in another instructional coach. And man, my team has been, so, 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 so dynamic. Um, we just got um, our predictability assessment data back, iReady data we took two weeks ago. Um, and some of the high points is my 
seventh grade class in reading, we have 55% of our kids on grade level. Started the school year only 22%. So uh, my seventh grade ELA teachers went hard. School-wide, our goal was we wanted to have 75% of our kids tier one, tier two, which means that they're either on grade level or one grade level behind. And at the start of the school year, uh, my entire staff thought I was like out of my mind, crazy having a goal that high. I mean, the district never, we never had anything like that um, as far back as we can, you know, research data. Um, so while we didn't hit the goal, you know, for math or reading, I am happy to say though, that we did have 68% of our kids um, in reading tier one, tier two, and we had 73% of our kids in math tier one, tier two. So um, shout out to my team this year for all the hard work they did. Um, and we collected a little bit of hardware this year. Um, so let me go ahead, you know, so put up the trophy. Uh, so if you didn't know, uh, I was nominated and actually won the Greater Kansas City Middle School Principal of the Year, my third year uh, as principal at Grandview Middle School. So, uh, but when they came, the funny thing is when they came to present me with the award, we were having a administrators meeting at my building. And uh, the people came in, it was two guys from the uh, organization, the Greater Kansas City uh, Principals Association came in and we're sitting there. So the superintendent's like, hey, we want to kind of give you know, then the floor for a moment, he started walking up to me. And this was right after the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing happened. So I thought I was going to have to, you know, you know, get, get, some, get work, get some, put some work in because dude started walking up on me. Um, but he said, you know, we're actually here to, you know, honor this young man right here. Um, Dr. Smith, you are the greater Kansas City middle school principal of the year. And I, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I definitely at that moment, like really was just shocked. Um, my whole staff, you know, I came in. So, you know, um, they asked me to share a couple words. And really the only thing I really had to share was like, this award says my name on it, but it's really my team that won this award. Everything that we've done over the last three years at Grandview Middle School, really changing that school community um, is based on the team. All I did was provide the vision, but they're the ones that's doing the grinding on the day-to-day -day with students, making it happen. So super shout out to my entire staff at Grandview Middle School, the ones that are departing us to move on to bigger and better things. Um, and then those that have been with me since day one, since I've been there, we've really been putting in some work. So Big shout out to them. I'm super excited to see what state testing data is going to look like when it come back in. Uh, and just, I mean, we're excited. We, we, we done with the school year. Unlike y'all, we, you know, we've been done since Friday. Uh, had an emotional moment. Um, last Wednesday was my eighth grade celebration day. Um, and that was the actual group of students who were sixth graders my first year. So my first group I've taken all the way through middle school to finally see them go off to high school. Had some great interaction with parents afterwards and just some pleasant comments about, you know, in the midst of everything that has happened with that group of kids, because their last normal school year was fifth grade. So their entire middle school experience was, you know, COVID pandemic related. Um, but to see what, how they performed this year post COVID was amazing. And then kind of also some other things that we were just excited about some of our discipline data um, compared to, you know, after pre COVID, we are actually down in the number of ISS, OSS days, um, you know, really trying to build strong relationships. Um, attendance really wasn't where we wanted to be, but, you know, we kind of going to blame that on COVID and kids being quarantined. But uh, so, I mean, it's, it's been a great year. I'm super excited about what's going, what next year is going to look like um, in the midst of doing my last couple of hires, you know, to get my team ready to go for next year. Uh, but super happy to be back on the air too um, as well. So I do want to transition. Um, and we talked about a lot of celebrations. Wait, 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 hold before on. Before we transition. Yeah, hold on. Go, go back to that. Go back to that. <laughs> Because I, I, I would I would be wrong if I didn't express what this means for the show. So I, don't, I think we got to put this in context for folks. So he was the middle school principal of the year for the greater Kansas City. And so I, I'm assuming that's more than one school, more than two schools, more than three schools. And so 
you know, if, if you didn't know, we're trying to bring credibility. And, and that is a major accomplishment, Smitty, man. Congratulations to you. I got one issue, man, and you know what it is. <laughs> the one picture of you getting an award, you got on some sweatpants. And so I so, just <laughs> try to figure out. Let me give you some context. No, nah, we, no, we don't want no context. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there, y'all. Smitty had on sweatpants and a T-shirt when he was honored. And I put it on Twitter. I did. I celebrated my bro in his sweatpants and his T-shirt. But, bro, we happy for you uh, and excited, man. Tell him, Tell him that I'm it was a work it, day. It was a work day. It was a, it was a professional development day, and I'm all about uh, social emotional self-care. So actually we took our entire staff to chicken and pickle that day. And we had a whole entire team builder playing pickleball and obstacle courses and things like that. So they called me on a bad day, but you know, I stay suited and booted when it comes down to it. So we can, you know, keep it all which, the way is, which is why I was disappointed, <laughs> which is why I was disappointed. Cause you are. But I blame my APs cause they knew I was getting the award that day and they didn't kind of give me no kind of hint. Like, Hey bro, bring a polo that day or nothing like that. So, but I also want to do give a shout out because David, for the second year in a row, has the Indianapolis Elementary Teacher of the Year in his building, who was actually my mentee. So, like I said, that's why I'm taking a little bit of this credit because mm-hmm. she was my mentee this year, and she actually won the Indianapolis uh, Elementary Teacher of the Year. So, you got the principal of the year in Kansas City Elementary. We like a mad collabo. Hey, right? and, and listen, <laughs> so. she got a, she got another award that's about to be announced in a couple days. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it. She texted okay, me, but yeah. I didn't want to say nothing. I so didn't want to say nothing. She got another one that's coming. And I got to give a shout out to uh, to Unc, man, because his mentee uh, is about to transition out of the classroom and get her first opportunity as an assistant principal. So I I, I knew I was going to get um, some quality when, when I when I hired them on. And so I, I appreciate you all. Definitely appreciate Doc Locks as well, because uh got some big uh, on the horizon, too, for my boy uh, Wallace. So, again, my my. Um, the teacher leaders, man, had an opportunity to get that coaching. And so some big things are happening. So I appreciate y'all. And uh, we'll be back for year two in September. So and I just uh, want to put that out there to all y'all people listening. If you're looking for some top tier. Come on now. Teacher, you need to holler at me, Unc, and Doc. Like I said, we got one that's about to be assistant principal. The other one that's a teacher of the year. Like we put in this work and making growing people. Engage just ain't a podcast, baby. We really growing educators. So right. if you're looking for some top tier coaching, you know, get at us. You see the Twitter handle right there. Get at us and we can get, you know, we can get that contract together for y'all. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to take any offense to not being invited, Indy. So <laughs> I, I'm going to just, I'm going to just hang here uh, hey. know, doing, doing my thing. Now, hey, listen, Trailblazer. I'm, I'm giving you a Trailblazer. I can tell you about Trailblazer, man. It was, it was okay. it. <laughs> okay. But, so, so since we are talking celebrations, I, I didn't add this to my, um, to my intro, but uh, we we've had the opportunity. So we were nominated um, by the state of California for uh, National Blue Ribbon uh, School for uh, for 2022. So we completed that application and submitted that at the beginning of May. So we'll find out in September. But you know, again, just like all the recognition that y'all received, it's it's all about our, our the people that we have in our school that are doing the work each and every day. So I just want to give a shout out. To to, uh, my Iron Horse Middle School uh, family because they're the ones that got us this opportunity. So we'll see, we'll see what happens uh, come September. Man, we I, already go ahead and we gonna just go ahead and claim it. You know, Iron Horse yeah. Middle School, Blue Ribbon School, National Blue Ribbon School. We just go ahead. I want to be the first to say it. I just want to be the first to have said it. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate and, that. And, and, and I'm a second it for you. All right. All right. What we at next, Mitty? What, what, what we about to talk about? Next? So uh, so 
we're gonna we're gonna kind of turn the tables and get real serious um on on a topic that i pretty know much know everybody in education in, in the country unless you've been sleeping under a rock the last uh week or so is aware of what took place at um rob elementary down in texas uh it's about been about a week ago a little over a week ago um where an 18 year old young man went into an elementary school and gunned down 19 innocent people who were just you know trying to educate and be educated um, and it is a lot that's came out with the story since then, um, as far as how it all went down, as far as how the police reacted um, and things like that there. Um, but I, I feel like in this space, you know, us all who all three of us are principals, two of a middle school, one of an elementary school, um, school leaders, but also two of us have a military background as well. Um, just kind of have that some time, take some time to really just talk about our thoughts on the situation as far as how it played out and transpired, as far as the knowledge that we know based on what the news has reported. And then also, um, really, how can we help calm some of the fears of our school communities to make sure that this doesn't take place within our own school communities um, where we are school leaders? And I'll just give you a little caveat to the story. Literally, the next day after that took place on Snapchat was posted um, a threat to my school where someone said they were going to bring an AR-15 and shoot up my school. Um, and we had to take some steps to kind of ensure that that didn't take place as far as just making sure that there was, find out if it was credible at first. And then also what, are, what safety protocols we were putting in place. And the sad part about it was that next day was our eighth grade celebration day. So not only are you bringing in our student population, we're bringing in, I mean, close to 600 people to be a part of this eighth grade celebration at the exact same time. Um, and really just trying to calm those fears of that. So I want to kind of just lay the foundation. That's kind of where we at. And then I'm going to throw at the ball, give him a chance to kind of speak on it and then kind of, you know, lead the conversation as far as that's that reflective piece first of kind of where your thoughts are with the whole situation. Um, and then we'll kind of circle back around and talk about how are we handling things in our school in a, in a, if a similar situation to take place, but also how are we pre doing things, things we're doing to prevent that from even taking place or getting to that point. So. Yeah, I, I would have to say, you know, after finding out about the, the shooting and, uh, you know, I don't I don't even really pay attention to the news because, uh, you know, I've got my own family and, and work to do and stuff like that. But just just hearing that, you know, these these little babies, you know, 10, 11, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds uh, were, were were shot by some kid that had just recently purchased a, a, a weapon and for whatever reason um i mean it doesn't make sense and, and it's hard to understand why someone would do that and then just to think about all the lives that are impacted you know those those parents that um you know sent their kids to school to to finish out the school year and then they hear about this and then you know, the all the different stories, you know, them waiting outside while the gunman is still in the classroom and the police haven't entered and all those types of things. It's, it's just it's just hard to, to think about that. And, um, you know, I, and, and, and we'll talk about it, you know, probably going on forward. But, you know, with because, you know, we're all parents. We've all sent our kids to to school. You know, we're in the school building, and it's just like, you know, is 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 it safe? And in, in, in this these places where these are taking place are just, you know, regular regular communities like ours, and there's nothing um, that stands out about them, and there's nothing that's out necessarily about my community. But 
what's to say that it, that it couldn't happen? So it just makes you, you know, constantly thinking and reflecting. And I mean, honestly, you can go into a dark place just, you know, as a school leader about, oh, you know, you know, thinking from that military background, and we'll probably talk about this, but, you know, how soft is, is, is the target of my school? You know, um, you, you looking at the entry, looking at, you know, ways to get out and all those types of things. I mean, it, it's, it's just nerve wracking to under, to, to know that you're responsible for however many kids I've got over a thousand students in my, in my school. And just to know that their parents trust, trust me with their, with their lives and just to see, you know, the responses of these families and, and just think about what they're going through. It's, it's, it's really hard to, to deal with and to come to school that Wednesday. And, you know, unfortunately we had a very similar type of thing come uh, in, in Snapchat, Instagram, whatever, whatever it is, um, you know, kids posting something, you know, in, inappropriate and uh, a, a, a threat to our school. So we have to, just like you said, Doc, assess that and, 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 and make decisions to, to keep everyone safe. So, I mean, just processing the whole thing was really, really difficult uh, last Wednesday and, and it still is today. Dave, I'll, I'll pass it on to you for your reflection before we get into the ne- next. <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm a principal of an elementary school. And so it, it, I, I, I went back to uh, December 14th, 2012. It was my second year of teaching, right? And that's, if for those that, did, that don't know, uh, that's that was the Sandy Hook uh, murders uh, where 20, uh, first graders were, were gunned down. And I was at work. We were getting ready. We were doing dismissal. I think my, my dean was like, man, it was a school shooting in Texas, right? Just kind of threw it out there. And I was like, damn, that's sad. You know, get home, kind of turn on the news. It was like, oh, you know, it, it, it started building. Went to sleep, woke up, you know, just checked my Twitter feed, man. The number had went up to 18. And I found myself, man, crying because – I'm at an elementary school. I'm a principal of elementary school. And these are and these are babies. Those that have ever worked in elementary school, raised elementary kids. I mean, you're talking about between the ages of five and 10, five and 11. And to hear that somebody with a assault rifle went into a school, went into a classroom, locked the door, just gunned down kids and gunned down teachers, it, it hit differently. And then hearing that, you know, they were swabbing parents for DNA and then to hear that the and, and again, I'm not passing any judgment because I'm not I wasn't in that situation. But then hearing officers were in the building for X amount of minutes and it was X amount of, and they didn't break breach the door and anything. Yeah, I don't know protocol. I know you guys are talking about that from a military background. I'm sure you have some some training behind that, and I don't have any. But when you talk about the lives of children and lives of people, man, the, the hell with the book, right? The, I mean, you, you got to try. You got to try to say because you gave ample time for these kids to be slaughtered. And so that, that angered me, that brought me to tears. And then just to hear how people were politicizing it and how you can't see the importance of, of why we need certain laws, it, it was just hurtful. So I went, went to school the next day and I'm trying to tell my kids this and you know started crying again because I, looked, I was looking at them and seeing the pictures of those kids and it just, it hits differently. And um, we, we just, we gotta do something. We really gotta do something. And uh, I'm getting emotional now. Think about it again, man, because it's just these are children, and then and your parents who've lost their kids for something that I that yeah we probably couldn't prevent it, but I think certain laws could have kept it from happening, right? Could have kept that weapon out of that child's hand and things like that. So it, it's hurtful, but I, I hope we can 
we can use this and make sure it doesn't happen again. But the numbers are ticking that, you know, obviously we'll, we'll be back here talking about it again, unfortunately. So um, we'll get into the safety things we're doing in our school, but that, that's, those are my reflections about it. And, and my biggest reflection, and I've had this conversation with several people since it, it's taken place, um, is help me understand why the common citizen needs an assault rifle. Like, why does the common citizen need an assault rifle in their possession? Like I just don't, like I just don't get that, and I there's I don't think you can make me ever understand why that is the case, and not just the fact that you have that, but also you were able to buy two within a two week time span, you know, um, and I, so it feels like that there's just like no accountability, um, and I was I was gonna kind of say this in my final thoughts, but I'm gonna kind of say it now, is that I feel like the school sh shooting situations that we've been through, Sandy Hook, Columbine, you know, we can name them a number of them over the last 20 years um and when we went on when we came on the air our first episode two years which has been two years that's crazy two years ago on juneteenth in the height of the summer of 2020 with the whole uh you know what was going on black lives matter stuff like that after another police officer killed a black man an unarmed black man and i, I feel like there's parallels because these events happen everybody sends up their prayers and their concerns and all that but as far as making actual change, nothing changes, you know? Uh, and it's funny because two weeks ago I was in church and the the the, the emphasis of the message was prayer without, or uh, faith without works is dead. Like we continue to pray and hope for change, but nobody's actually doing, the people that can actually do the change and make effect change, all they're doing is continue to send up prayers, but they're not actually doing anything to enact change. Like once again, which I go back to my original point when I started this was like, I don't feel that there's any reason why a common citizen needs an assault rifle in their possession or in their home. I just, I just don't know of any, um, I, I don't, you ain't going out there hunting deer with an assault rifle. You ain't hunting, you know, animals with assault rifles. So I really don't understand the purpose behind that there. So, uh, that was kind of just my the thing that I just kept taking away from that. And, you know, the other piece that I took away from it and I, I went back and kind of emphasized with my team is, how he got into the school. And I feel like, and no one's talked about it, but I, I, that teacher that went to her car to get whatever, that propped that door open that he came through, like I hope somebody's getting hurt, like give, surrounding her and giving her some comfort or counseling or whatever, because you would think a small mistake like that wouldn't cause something so catastrophic. But that's what I said, went back to my team and they, you know, ever since COVID happened have been, you know, basically bitching and complaining at me, like, well, why do we always have to come through the front entrance? Why do we got to use the front entrance, right? Like, it's for reasons like this. So we always know who's coming in and out of the building because you can say, oh, yeah, I parked in the back. I'm going to prop this door open. But you never know what can happen in that 30, 45 minute or uh, seconds or that minute that you're walking out and propping that door open and going to your car. Um, so that's one of the things, just that school safety piece is making sure that we are securing the building at all times um, so that people can't get in to the building, having that one-way entrance before. And, and my school um, was built in, it's a pod, you know, a style. So I want to say within a pod, three of the four classrooms in a pod have a door to the outside. So there's multiple entries and exits out of my building um, all the way around the building. So making sure at all times, you know, teachers are being diligent, but then also that we are um, training and educating our students to be diligent when you see a door open, shut it and then report it to an adult. Like, we don't need you to come and report it and leaving it open uh, at any time. 
So uh, that's the one thing that, I, that we always are trying to emphasize in our building is just making sure that our building is staying safe and secure at all times. If you're leaving the building for whatever reason, whether it be you're going to the outdoor classroom, the gym class, going to the football field, you are reporting to the main office. Here's where we're going to be. We give you a walkie talkie because you could be out in the field and somebody can run up on you. You know, you could be out in the outdoor classroom or at the pond behind our school and somebody run up on you. So do you have a walkie to walkie in? Hey, here's what's going on. You know, whatever it may be. Um, so those are some of the precautions. And I would hate, I can't say at that principle in the moment what I would do. I know there's a lot of prevention things that we try to do um, and we try to practice. But in that moment, um, I think some people might just like the police officers freeze in that moment. You know, and then they talk about metal detectors and SROs and things like that. But if we go back to the shooting that happened in Florida at the school, the SRO didn't even want to go into the building. So that's not the answer either is having more SROs and or having metal detectors or having uh, teachers or administrators carry weapons. Because my thing is, if you are the police and you don't want to confront somebody with AR-15, why are you asking me as an educator to do it? I think that that whole folks carrying guns on the campus is is crazy just i mean the police officers they're trained for that you know they have to get certified i mean doc you, you you've been in the military like you if you carry a, a weapon you got you got to qualify on that thing annually you know it's it's not just like hey this is yours you do with it what you want i mean you know you talk about you know being on a military post man you if, if you live on post like you have to register your weapon. You have to go take it to the provost marshal's office. Like they literally store it. They give you a receipt. And I mean, these folks are highly trained to to have these weapons and use these weapons. And if the military goes to that length in order to keep people safe on a military post, just like you said, dot why, you know, how can how can I as a 18 or someone as an 18 year old, just because it's legal in my state, get as many you know, weapons in a short amount of time. It, it really makes no sense. I mean, and, and think about all the things that we have to do as educators, um, you know, all the different situations that we that we encounter. I mean, can you imagine, like, I'm a, I'm a teacher, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm in class, uh, you know, th th this, this, this nine millimeter is rubbing in, into my side. Let me just go ahead and set this on my desk real quick. And then what? Oh, I, I forget it. You know, I, I I leave it in my classroom and I forget. I mean, there's just so many different things that can go wrong with that. And I mean, again, we got these police officers that are trained. Hopefully they're able to execute, you know, what what they needed to do. But, you know, just like you said, I mean, if, if, if I'm it's hard to say what you would do in that situation. But, you know, I, when. I think af right after, um, you know, Sandy Hook, I was in the classroom, I was teaching high school and, you know, we had to go through those drills and things like that. And then I've always said like, Hey, if someone comes in here, I'll do what I need to do. Y'all follow right behind me. Cause I'm gonna distract them. And, and we, we need to do what we can to, to I'll, I'll take it, whatever we need to take to, to keep y'all safe. But I mean, and, and it's hard to like have to have that mentality when you go into a classroom because you got so many other things to worry about you know you're trying to get those reading scores up you're trying to get those math scores up you're trying to teach these young people how to be good people and then you got to keep about that in the back of your head it's it's tough yeah. it's tough out here man I, so i'm with y'all and i appreciate you you know you all's perspective you know with the military background and i think you know smitty and ball you said it i, I think you know 
no one's trying to take people's guns, right? I think that's the the notion that people get, right? And so, you know, the Second Amendment, it, you know, it reads, you know, about it's necessary for the security of a free state. I'm almost certain that back in 1571, I think it was when the Second Amendment was ratified, I'm sure they didn't let everybody buy a cannon, right? I'm just, I'm almost certain you couldn't just go get a cannon and have a cannon. That's what we mean by the assault rifle. What do you need an assault rifle for? Right, like it's not. We're not saying we're taking your guns away. We're just trying to regulate the type of guns that regular and random people are buying. Because, like you said, those weapons are used for the security of the country, and they're given to well-trained individuals who are using it for protection, not just an eighteen-year-old, you know, and whoever wants to have them. And I think you know that's part of the issue. But when I think about you know school safety from from the principal, from our, from the school lens, right? So you have to buzz into our school. So we have a camera, they hit the buzzer, office manager says, you know, how can I help you, right? I'm here to pick up so-and-so, right? You know what? We'll send them out to you, right? If you're picking up somebody, what you need to come in for? You know, now, we, we sometimes we buzz them in, they come through another vestibule door, they come to the main office, right, before they get to the, you know, the, the classroom, and, you know, we ask why they're there. We'll walk them down to the classroom. Obviously, with COVID, you know, we have things like that. Um, but you know, we're very tight knit. But we used to have a dismissal process where we let parents come in and get their kids. Right? We just open the doors. They go to the rooms and sign their kids out. Now, we have a process where the, we walk the kids to the car. Right? So things like dismissal, where you can have a lot of free flowing traffic, we kind of limited that. When it comes to school safety, every year <laughs> we do the intruder drill. And so again, I have kindergarten through sixth graders. Right? So the night before, I send a message to the parents. Parents, tomorrow we're having our active shooter drill. Please talk with your kindergartners because what we do is they go in a room, they cover the, the, the windows, they lock the door, they barricade it, and they get it get out from side of the window. So we go to the outside of the school to peep into to see if we can see them so they try to hide. And we bang, kick, shake the doorknob, and make noises. And we teach our scholars to remain quiet, right? Don't say a word. But it's hard when you have five-year-olds because they're terrified. So every year, the first time we do it with kindergartners, what do you think happens? They're crying. They're scared. Then they go home and they're like, mommy, somebody tried to break in. Daddy, somebody tried to break in. So that's why we all try to beat that home. But we start that drill as young as kindergarten. And we do it every year, four times a year, every quarter. The frustrating thing is, why do we have to do that? Why is that a drill that we have to practice? When I was in school, I remember practicing a tornado drill where you go in the hallway and put your head between your legs and the fire drill when you got out the building. That was it. Now we have to add active shooter to the school. And, you know, that, that's just sad. But, the, you know, that's kind of some of the ways that we're regulated. But after every shooting, right, we're constantly thinking about ways that we can improve. So I'd be curious to hear from you all at the middle school level with older kids, what is your school safety protocol with people coming in, people going out, and then how do you prep your kids in case something like that happens? So, I mean, we kind of got the same setup. So you walk up to our front door. Um, there's a buzzer there. It has a camera. Um, it goes to two different people. So just in case one person there, not there, the other person is there. Um, you know, the kind of thing is, you know, you know, can we help you? Uh, is I'm here to pick up someone. So I'm here to drop something off, whatever it may be. Or, you know, I'm from, you know, one of our contractors or whatever. Um, and then we buzz them into our vestibule area. So then, you know, they're kind of in between. We call it the cage uh, uh, area. And then we have a sliding window that our secretaries can talk to the person out that's in the vestibule area. Um, and if they're there to pick up a kid, 
or whatever business, we ask for an ID. So we get their ID and we have a system called Raptor that we run it through to make sure that they don't have any kind of, uh, you know, sexual predator type of things and stuff like that before we just, you know, release a kid to them. Also making sure they're on the emergency contact list that we can release them to that. Uh, and I, I mean, we went very, even after COVID, we let very few adults in the building unless they have business in the building. Um, if you want to do a visit a classroom, um, I require, and I've done this since my first year, I require a 24 hour notice. And there's a form that we sent home that you fill out, you send it back, you tell me the time that you want to come or what class you want to come see. Uh, once again, just so that we have accountability of who's in the building at what time, at all times. Um, we do the intruder drill. We actually have to do it three times a school year. Um, as you know, that's a Missouri, a Missouri um, policy. So we do it three times a year and kind of the same thing, you know, a locked door out of sight type of thing. Uh, my uh, APs and my sec counselors actually get off on it because they, you know, they come in with masks and everything and trying to, you know, do the most uh, during that time. But really, uh, we and when we have classes that aren't following the procedure or protocol, whether we be here and talking or people get with us, like we'll make that class like, hey, we gonna do it again until you get it right because it's situations like this that can cause you to not be here. And now I gotta talk to your parents a while why you're not coming home tonight or I got to go meet your parents at a drop off site and tell them, well, they, we're not dropping you off to them. So I think for us is really having those conversations and making sure our kids, because middle school kids can be very immature, but helping them understand the importance of the situation that they're facing. Yeah. So it's interesting. My, um, we don't have a buzzer entrance uh, into our uh, main office. And I, that is, definitely one of the weakest areas in our in our school because we keep the we keep the door unlocked and folks can come in and they you know greet are they're greeted by one of our front secretaries and you know they're the most vulnerable you know in our school we've got um you know an attendance window where folks can come and, and sign up their students but if they're dropping something off if they you know want to have a conversation if they have a meeting with a staff member or with me an administrator and they're able to come right in and you know they stop at that front desk there so that's you know that's that's something that i've been thinking about quite a bit um but for the most part of our campus perimeter is gated so we've got um, a main quad area um we've got our our gym is is detached but there's a there's fencing uh to make it you know all seamless um, within the campus and then our back area is, is gated and you know those we've got several areas that um, we've got cameras but we don't necessarily have someone back there and so we, we we've got an area that is uh, adjacent right next to a soccer field and so we've had uh, you know our sixth graders they, they need to go run and, and play and stuff um, and so um, that ba that gate area is, is was somewhere that was um, a, a good place for, for folks to leave, but there's no key entrance to that, to that area. So if someone went out there, it was left open. So we had to adjust, we've had to adjust that uh, procedure uh, so that if someone's going out there, they've got to use the gates with that, that uh, provide key access. And we're, like I told you at the beginning of the show, we're like in downtown, um, the central part of our, of our city. And we are adjacent to Central Park, which is a large park that folks come in and out of. We've got a trail that runs um, past our school and it's, I don't know how many miles um long it is but you know people running people jogging there's a transit center on the opposite side of the trail so like there's random people at our campus all the time we have um our pe is outside and people are walking through uh pe classes and you know they're you know hey this is this is a public area no sir 
ma'am, this is a school during the school day. You see that sign over there? And so, I mean, it happens like, you know, just about every other day that that is a, that is a thing where we have an interaction with a community member, but it's, it's so hard. I mean, we've got live in a beautiful area, but it's so hard when we've got that close connection with, with the city and we've got, you know, pretty open access. So it's, um you know, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a work with our city. We work with our school district uh, to figure out how we make this uh, the, the safest place that it could be. You know, we go through the drills. I think it's, it's a lot of talking, a lot of discussing like what to do here, the steps we, we talk, talk through those things because the anxiety is high, even, you know, in it was elementary, middle school, you know, folks, just like you said, can get upset. I mean, like that, that five-year-old shoot, that's a, that, that, that's a 13 year old in some cases that, you know, whatever they're going through, whatever they're feeling, um, it, it's all real. So, you know, that's, that's where it comes from the safety. Um, you know, again, you know, my background, just, just seeing different entry points and exit points and egress and regress and all those types of, you know, terms, it, it, you, you can go into a lot of different places and uh, want to do a lot of different things. But I think, you know, the most important thing is that we're, you know, showing love to our kids and our families and, and, and telling them like, you know, us being leaders, like we're going to be out front con- consistently um, to communicate with you, your kids so that, um, you know, it can be as safe as possible. And one of the things that um, I think is important in this situation too, uh, I don't think it would have been beneficial in this situation because this, this young man was a high school student or a recent, you know, high school student that went into an elementary school um, and shot it up. And, you know, of course, they try to pull the whole he was being bullied and things like that. And I'm like, well, he wasn't being bullied by elementary kids like, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to really hear that argument, not saying that bullying is not a real issue or anything like that there. Um, but one of the things I think that for the pre- another layer of prevention is that relationship our schools have with our community and with our parents. Um, like I said, you know, the day after this happened. You know, we had a threat made to our school. Um, and I want to say when I woke up that morning, I already had, you know, 15 messages in my Facebook inbox with a screenshot of the threat from my parents saying, hey, my son sold me this or, you know. So I think that's another layer that we need to also educate our community, um, our parents on. And I think a lot of times we think about our, you know, the school itself and keeping it safe. But how do we educate our parents? Like, hey, if you see something, say something type of thing, you know, and really make sure that they are also monitoring their kids' social media, because that's a lot of times when kids are being bullied or if they are getting ready, I thought, even like with this young man, they said that he was sending messages to some female that he was going to go shoot up a school and things like that there. So how do we communicate with our community and, hey, say, hey, we need you to partner with this as well, because you're probably going to know about something going on in the community, you know, quicker than I am. So that's important as well, you know, I think as well. So as we think about, you know, each of us are principals and, and things like that. How, how do you each feel? And, uh, Bob, I'll go to you, man. How do you feel uh, principals should be trained to deal with crisis, right? What are things that principals should know? So, again, I, I you know, I know we got a lot of folks listening. Got a couple future uh, administrators. I'm going to shout out my girl, Ashley. Ashley Ford is in the comments. She's uh, in her principal program at Marion University. So I want to give her some love. So we got folks Ash, like that. Ashley here. the Great. Ashley the Great. Yep. So how how do you feel like principals should be trained to deal with crisis? What what advice would you give and, and what do we think we need to do to get them ready in case of things like this? Yeah, I, I think we have so many examples, unfortunately, of 
of these, you know, crises, school shootings, whatever the case is. And we need to, we need to do some case study work, honestly. I mean, I, I maybe I can count on one hand the amount of training that we've done when it comes to crisis and crisis management. Um, it, it really needs to be a focus because some folks just aren't built to, to handle challenging situations like in the heat of the moment. And you're not going to know that until that actually, until it actually occurs. But if you, if you've, you know, planned it and prepared for it, then that is, you know, probably the best, the best way to go and prepare someone. So, you know, we, we need to be doing some case studies. We need to be, you know, bringing in folks that have experienced these types of, of events so that, you know, they can share the best practices, like the, the actual things that have worked. And, and what's not worked, like, you know, bring somebody come in assessment of my school. Like, you know, what, what are the, you know, where, where will it, is it likely that, you know, someone could gain access or because, um, you know, Gates, Gates is only really deterrent. If someone wants to climb over a gate and a fence, they're, they're, they're going to do that. Uh, so how do we best mitigate, um, you know, once someone is on campus, what should we be doing? I mean, I know we've got these drills, you know, we've got, you know, organizations that, that do this type of, of training, but um, it, it's sad, but it needs to be a priority that um, admin uh, are, are focused on training and, and understanding how, this is how we handle crisis management. I mean, we're out here in California, we got earthquakes and all those types of things, um, you know, practice those things and, and get those subject matter experts on your campus. That's that's my thought. Um, so I, I, I think crisis management goes beyond just the school shooting. I know that's kind of the topic where we're at because of that the situation. But um, I think there's other situations that they don't train principals on. There's no class on it when it comes to crisis management. You know, losing a kid, you know, from a tragic accident. You know, gun violence is real, real in the urban community. So how do you handle, you know, that process? You know, I know grief counselors are there, but you are the school leader. So, you know, the community is going to be looking to you. So how are you helping that? Uh, one thing that I faced this year that was um, new to me is we had a student that was um, abducted um, and was missing for like five days. And, you know, lucky enough, they were able to locate her, you know, through, you know, um, some people in the community kind of speaking out, hey, I saw her with this guy, whatever. Um, and that, that was a whole situation, just her during that time. But then the part that uh, I thought was going to be easy, that was more of a struggle, is when how do we reintegrate her back into the school? Like, I mean, how do that was, I mean, that was a whole other thing um, and really trying to figure out the best way to not re-traumatize her because once again, it's the middle school. So when you come back, your friends are going to know what happened to you, but her reliving that experience was going to be very traumatic. So I think, like you said, Bar, like finding people in the community, our educational community that's been through these things, um, you know, the principal down in Texas or the principal from uh, Sandy Hooks, like instead of ostracizing these people thinking they did something wrong, you know, that day, like, what did you do in that moment? What do, if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently? You know, um, go back, you know, look at, you know, uh, the talk with the superintendent or, you know, whoever, like, how would you have better secured that school building? You know, like, that's the piece I think you talked about with that case study is let's go back and get those people that's been through these things and find out what they did. But more importantly, what didn't you do? Because I feel like we can learn more from what we didn't do than what we did do. So, um, but not just looking at the school shooting thing, but like, it, there's a lot of different things I think that, principals have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and face and have to navigate um, the amount of decisions we have to make in a day. I don't think people truly understand. Um, and then on top of that, for us, we also then have to think, how is this decision that I'm going to make be viewed because I'm a black male leader? 
Am I going to get the same pass that somebody else is going to get if they made the exact same decision? And that's what I'm facing now is like, as I'm making certain moves and things like that, I'm like, are you questioning my decision based on this situation because you don't like it or is it because I'm a black man telling you to do this? So I think that's a whole nother layer that I think that people don't really understand that we on this show face that other people don't know about. Man, that, 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 both of y'all hit the, hit the nail on the head. I would say, you know, I always ask how many school leaders and schools have a crisis intervention plan and not something in your head, but like an actual plan. Secondly, do you have a team of folks, right? Made up of a variety of stakeholders, right? Leadership team, teachers, parents, community people, kids, right? And then how often does that team look at the plan, make adjustments, and then is that is that plan shared with the broader community? So in the, in the next segment, we're gonna talk a little bit about how we deal with parents, but then it's, you gotta have a plan, a team, and then how you communicate that plan to everybody that's involved. Because I think, you know, one of the things that I think I heard in this whole thing was they said, well, they couldn't get in because there's way no keys from the principal. And I'm like, damn, only the principal got keys? Right, again, there's a lot of things are coming out. But I'm like, so you're trying to tell me the principal's the only one with keys, right? And if that is the case, what is the backup, right, in a crisis? All right, principal ain't here. Who's next in charge that can make the decision and says, go in there or whatever, right? So, like, all those things are important. And so, again, we shouldn't have to think about those things, but that's the reality that we're in. Virginia Tech, Columbine, Sandy Hook, right? Now, Rob Elementary, I'm sure, God forbid, I'm missing some, some other places, right? Because these things are happening, we've got to have these plans in place. But like y'all said, like, you know, whether it's uh, a student in your building, like, like uh, Smitty said, gets abducted, or a student gets killed, which happens so often here in Indianapolis where kids are getting murdered in the street, right? How do you then help those kids the next day in school that that was their friend, that was their cousin, that was their brother, that was their sister? What do you do, you know, um, and God rest her soul and her family, and I'm praying for our sister school. They, they lost their elementary, their assistant principal. Suddenly, she was at school on Friday, got sick on Sunday, passed away the following Wednesday, right? Cardiac arrest like that. How do you then go in and tell that to those students, tell that to those uh, kids, and then be there for those teachers and everybody like that, right? Like, how do you respond to that? What do you do? You know, so we, we need plans like that in schools because that's what social and emotional has taught us. COVID brought up social and emotional. All that is a part of that, right? Like, how do you help people overcome those things so they can be in this space and be successful? And so school leaders need to get that. I don't know if that happens in preparation programs. I don't know if that happens in, you know, city or statewide principal fellowships because there's a million of those, right? Those things need to be acclimated. And if they don't, then it's important on us as leaders to share with other principals, new principals and, and principals say, hey, what's your crisis intervention plan looks like? What's your crisis team looks like? And how can I help you? So those are things that I feel like we need to do because a lot of people don't know. And it's becoming just as important as teaching and learning because it, it takes a prop door or it takes a deranged person, like you said, me, who was bullied at their high school, apparently, to go into an elementary school with kids that had nothing to do with you being bullied and gun them down, right? So we just got to be prepared for that. So, I think also the, the thing we need to hit upon as well, because we, we talk about how we, you know, as leaders want to stand up and kind of really 
um, calm the fears of our community um, and comfort our community. But then like, how are we processing that? Like you said, that's your sister school, that assistant principal, you know, was there Friday and then never came back. That principal hired her. That was her right hand. And now she's gone. So how does she process that? When did like, do, does your community give you as the leader time to grieve and go through the things you need to go through? Like, you don't always have to be that pillar for everybody else. Like, who are you leaning on? Like, when do you get to say, you know what? Hey, I've been here for y'all. Like, I need y'all to be here for me now. You know, I think that's another piece that we don't want to, I think, brush over or fly past is the leader getting time to process that. Because like I said, with that, with that student, when they came back into the school system and we sat there with that mom trying to figure out a plan and I'm looking at this little girl, like, like, how do I help you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but then also like, how, it, this is hurting me because like, this is one of my kids like that I've, you know, groomed over the last three years. Um, so also how are we as leaders making sure that we are taking the space and time to make sure we're okay. And that we're not always the one carrying the load because eventually the load is going to break us down. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We, we've got to make time, whether it's another principal, whether it's a family member, just uh, to open up that that dialogue, because, you know, there's so many different things that we, we face and we deal with and uh, that folks don't even understand unless they're sitting in these chairs. They don't really understand some of the things that we see and have to you know, manage and taking that time is is crucial. I know that like last week we had us out of space with, with, with another principal, I guess it was two weeks ago. And uh, we have, um, we do like, we try and do like a weekly uh, meeting with the informal gathering with the other middle school principals in my district. There's eight of us. And when folks can, can hop on the, the Google meet, they, they hop on, but it was just me and the other one other principal. And we just were able to reflect and just take some time. And it was just like, after those types of things, like, man, it feels good to to have that conversation with somebody that can can relate and understand. And, you know, you can just listen. You don't have, you're not asking a bunch of questions, trying to help me with a solution. I just need you to hear me. And so, you know, any families out there of our family members, if you have someone that's an educator, just check in on them, ask them how they're doing. It, it could be that simple. And it can be a huge, huge difference in, in their day. So so before we get out of here, I also want us to talk about in crisis, how do we engage our parents, right? And so, you know, j- just briefly, like, how, how do we engage parents in a time of crisis? I think for us, you know, we just try to be, you know, open and honest. I know after, you know, the, the school shooting at Rob Elementary, I just sent a message, you know, on our on our. Uh, class dojo page and it just simply you know it read i just sent this to the families i said you know uh good morning summit families like many of you i know my heart aches and hurts for the families and the school community at rob elementary the murder of children in school is becoming far too common tragedy we will create a space for scholars today to discuss it but we encourage you to talk about it as well i just want to reiterate that safety is our number one priority we will continue to update you, update our safety protocols, and we ask for your support in this effort. Please speak up if you notice anything within our system that can be improved for the safety of our scholars and our staff members. It will take a collective effort to keep everyone safe. So I just wanted to send that to one, is express what happened, talk about that we'll create the space, encourage them to do the same, but also you, they're part of the system, right? They're part of the arrival. They're part of the dismissal. They've been there with certain tragedies. How have we handled it? What things can we do better? Because ultimately, they're the ones that impacted it. So it's just important of bringing them in that space. And so I know one thing that I'm going to think about for next year is 
when we're creating that plan, instead of creating a plan and rolling out for parents, spend a couple of our um, parent universities meeting with parents and going through that and getting some conversations before we finalize the plan. So just making sure that they're part of the process in the beginning and not just at the end. It's the one thing we're going to do. And for me real quick, uh, my the big thing is um, being very transparent uh, in situations, whether it was the Rob Elementary, what was the threat made to our school? I know the one thing we did at our sixth grade celebration, like I said, was the very next day is we did have a moment of silence um, during the celebration to acknowledge those you know families that have lost someone. Um, but also asking parents, you know, what is it that you need? How can we help you in this time? Um, you know, whether it be, we may not have all the answers, but we may have some resources that we can plug you into. Um, like I said, our cornerstones is our care, um, is one of our wraparound services that we use. Um, so really making sure that we are providing resources to the parents, just like we are for the students, uh, for the students as well. Yeah, I, I'll just echo that communication piece. I think it's really important. The situations that we've dealt with on our campus, I try to be as clear uh, with uh, with parents and, and staff as well, because that's one of the things that, that I'm learning is is to be better with that communication and making sure that folks are able to anticipate some of the things that are that are coming up. So, um, having that communication flow is really important. And just like you said, being being honest, being uh, transparent you know, what the decision-making process is and then holding space. Like if, if parents want to come in and ask questions or give you a call, um, send an email, I just encourage them to do that if they have questions. So look, we're, we're at that almost that hour point um, of the show. So we're going we're gonna to end it with, with a little bit of outros. We, we started the show with celebration. We kind of had some heavy topics there in the middle. So I want to make sure we close it with celebration. So Mine is more so housekeeping, right? And so we are back. This is season two. You know, we was on hiatus. It's kind of like waiting on power, right? You had that season one. Then the contract with stars didn't quite work out. People negotiating. Folks went in middle school principal of the year. They want more money, right? I got another fellow who on here, uh, bro on here. They about to be a Blue Ribbon school, so he want more money. And I'm just like, I just want to do a show. That's it, right? So... But the contract got signed. We locked in for season two. So in case you don't know, the Engage podcast is bi-weekly on Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Season two is about to be crazy. Follow us on Twitter, Engage underscore podcast. Like the Facebook page, the Engage podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube page, the Engage podcast. You'll see us here. Also, check us out on the A Black Hands uh, channel is what I'm going to call it. And uh, we back in the rotation. So shout out to super producer, Unc. And just make sure you catch us bi-weekly. So that's my outro. It's been great, fellas. Good to be back. Uh, Smitty, I go to you. And then, Ball, you'll take us home for season two, episode one. Uh, so, like I said, I, you know, we always about giving people their flowers. So, you know, he already talked about Ball, about the, you know, principal of a blue ribbon winning school. Um, we already know about the principal of the year thing. Shout out once again to my crew at Grandview Middle School. But I want to shout out to David, who was on the verge of finishing up his not only his doctoral program, but is also a class of 2022 Surge Fellow, which he didn't want to bring up. So shout out to him for getting into the Surge Fellowship, um, doing mad things in Indy. And now he has back to back elementary principal or teachers of the year in Indianapolis. So shout out to him as a leader out there at Tilly Summit doing big things. Uh, so for me, I don't, you know, my, my outro is in two and a half weeks, it's going to be Juneteenth. 
and everybody, we, I'm not gonna get into the commercializing and all that that's going on with Juneteenth, all that. I just wanted to say one thing about Juneteenth. Juneteenth 2020, you brought we brought three black male leaders onto a show. Um, and we have dropped fire after fire after fire. If you have not followed the Engage podcast, formerly known as the AOS podcast, like you need to go check the Twitter channel, the YouTube page, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcast at. Cause I mean, that season one, we had some hitters on there. I mean, we was giving away books, we was giving away free PD. Um, and like I said, season two is, is, is about to be fire. Like if you thought Top Gun two was hitting, like, cause it was been like decades since they had the first one. You don't want to miss now one episode of season two. Like we got some stuff lined up for y'all um, and really making it practical for us. So if you want to be a school leader, if you a teacher want to move up, if you an assistant principal want to move up, if you want to, if you a principal saying, Hey, I just need somebody to listen to. I've been on Twitter several times and people are saying, Hey, what are some good podcasts for school leaders to listen to? Make sure you mention the engaged podcast because trust and believe you have, like I said, a surge fellow, on here, you got a master blue ribbon uh, winning principal on here. So you definitely got some school leaders that can talk about things that I don't think other people in our spaces can talk about because they don't face the same thing we face, especially if you are a leader of color. So that's my outro. We, I'm, I'm super happy to be back. And I'm gonna say, you know, my contract ain't quite got signed yet. Uh, we wanted to see how this show was gonna go, but I think I'm gonna go ahead and sign the contract and send it to Unc after we done. Oh, fellas, it is good to be back with y'all. It is so good. Um, this is, you know, nourishment to my soul to have the opportunity to talk, uh, you know, about the education space, uh, the things that we're facing, the things that we see on a daily basis. Uh, I hope that everyone's already heard, listened. And if you haven't already, like, subscribe, join us uh, every other week moving forward um, because you're going to get something. You're going to get something, a different perspective. Uh, we're going to share some things and, uh, you know, wh where else are you going to see uh, great looking young men like ourselves that are leading schools? Um, but I just want to say thanks for everyone uh, to for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, we love you. And uh, we want to continue to add to this educational space so, you know, we can have more teacher of the year so we can have more folks following and, you know, because we're, we're following in the past that have been laid for us and we want to do the same thing. We want to lift, um, lift as we climb. So um, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, that's it for me. We out y'all. Peace. Go mop. Huh?